Hi, I'm Lori Denning, and this is my podcast, The 20 Minute Scriptorian, where I explore LDS scripture and doctrine for the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. Like most of you, I'm a typical Latter day Saint, and I've held a variety of callings from gospel doctrine teacher to institute. I've always loved learning and sharing the scriptures of Christ. Recently, I went back to school, and I'm currently a theology student, where I get to learn context, history, ancient languages, and more importantly, how to learn. I thought you might want to share in what I was learning, and the 20-minute scriptorian was born. While I am a believer, these thoughts are my own, and they are not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks for listening, and join me on the journey as we explore the scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. Hey, Scriptorians, this is Lori. Welcome back. We are headed into the third part of the story of Abinadi in Mosiah 11 through 17. Join me as we learn about the concept and doctrine of salvation. So recently, as you know, I've been back in school doing theology, and I've been attending a school that is not uh, uh, from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And while I find it very welcoming and accepting, there are a few doctrinal differences and one of them which has been fundamental has been the story of salvation so I I'll tell you a little bit of a story maybe a little bit atypical for most of us but it made me ponder and so I wanted to before we start into a Benedict I wanted to throw out some of these questions as well and have you just kind of think about it because uh, it really made me really made me think about it but as I've been going to school one of these last uh, projects that I had to do at this school was to write the Articles of Faith, or what's called a doctrinal statement, and it was a group project, and in part six of the, I think six of the seven, eight, seven or eight sections we had to write, was a section on salvation, and you, really what you have to do is answer the questions of what is salvation, who gets it, how do you qualify for it, how do, how do you know if you have attained it or qualified for it, and can you lose it once you've qualified? And and it's a question that is kind of the fundamental of, of the gospel, right? Is what is salvation? Am I am I saved in the end? Am I going to make it? Um, you may think of it as being, am I right in the Lord's eyes? Have I done enough? Uh, is it something that God just gives me through his grace? Do I have to have faith? I, is it baptism? What, uh, what, what if I don't partake in the sacrament often enough? Have I lost my salvation? I mean, what what is the salvation concept being saved? Um, and what am I being saved from or to? And so as you think about it, sometimes it's, it's sometimes a little bit harder to put your finger on it. And as I was the, uh, it was my turn in our four-person group to write this one and then everyone else edits it, um, I realized that not everybody believes that everyone is going to be resurrected. That was That was new. And, and then some of the questions of can you lose it was, was very different, uh, very different appeals to the same scriptures and, and can you lose it, you know, and how does that work? So some of these same questions are kind of what's coming up in King Benjamin's, uh, or not, sorry, King Benjamin, in Abinadi, in King Noah's court and what's going on with Abinadi in this trial that they put him through. So let's see what Abinadi says as we jump in. This is brilliant. This is some of just the most sublime 
uh, structure that we see in these short, short, short chapters. This this prophet that comes among his people. Um, he's been gone. He comes for a couple of years. They they drive him away. He comes in disguise, which is kind of a thing that other prophets would do. Sometimes they would put ashes on their face face or they would uh, have people come out to them in the wilderness, kind of like John the Baptist. Um, and 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 so there's this concept of him being this lone voice, this this one voice among his people that are just very uh, wicked. They've fallen. And a lot of it is coming from the the priests and Noah, as we've talked about. So not only is King Noah bad, but uh, but his priests are too. Now he's put these priests into play. It said that Noah dismisses the older priests from his father Zenith and then puts in these new priests. And so one of them we're going to find out about Alma, who is just a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic character as well. So something we can really see our, ourselves in. But but the structure of this Abinadi. He's going to talk about a couple of things, and I want you to watch for these as you read through it. So there are three big things that that really stood out to me this time. First, salvation. Like we just talked about in my doctrinal statement, what is it? Like, was it, is it actions? How does Christ play a part? The law of Moses, is it, is it like a stuff we have to do? Uh, in in old Protestant and and Catholic uh, d- debates, you'll see faith versus works. I that's kind of old timey, and I I love that we jump in on that. We don't even really think of it kind of like that, but but you'll see those kinds of ideas, faith and works, and is it do I, is it stuff I have to do? And uh, and so Ben is going to talk about that. So you're going to see this this main theme of salvation. There's also a theme of seed right? Seed or, or offspring, or maybe we would say becoming part of his family, becoming part of the family of God. We're going to see this carry through to the waters of Mormon and being a part of the family, being part of his children, being called uh, of Christ or Christians. And I love this, this idea. And you're going to see it. He's going to use it as the term seed. And I know I've mentioned this before, but the, the word seed and it's the same word like we would use like offspring in Hebrew is Zara. So yeah, like Zara Hemla. Cool, right? Okay, so seed. So you're going to see how to become part of his family, how he suffers, how he becomes one of us. So he becomes one of us. We become like him. We become part of his family. So this idea of seed. And, and Abednego is going to use this term over and over again. So I want you to, to underline it. I want you to think about it and say, Abinadi is going to use this term of him becoming like us and us becoming like him, right? God comes down and becomes man, and then how we can become under his protection, okay? Then there's this kind of inclusio, and inclusio is a term where it's kind of the beginning and the end, like bookends. So you might use the phrase or a it's usually a phrase or a sentence, but it's it's an idea at the beginning and an idea at the end, and it kind of keeps everything together as an inclusio, so you're including everything in the middle. And he kind of uses this cool inclusio of stretching forth his arm. He talks about the Lord is going to stretch forth his arm, and then he's it starts with that, and in the end he says he's going to stretch forth his arm. And then Abinadi literally stretches forth his arm physically, and if you're not kind of paying attention, you'll miss this cool um, literary theme. I, I don't know what the term is, but it's this cool inclusios that he's using. And you'll see the Lord's 
arm extended in power and it's either to save or condemn, right? So I love the idea of the Lord's hand is outstretched still in either judgment or it's like you can take his hand and it's always there for you. So you're going to see this mercy, judgment, or power. Will it be Noah or the priests or Alma? Who's going to take the Lord's hand? His arm is outstretched still. So stretching forth his arm. So I want you to watch salvation, seed, and stretching forth his arm as we kind of get to know it. All right. All right. So let's jump in to the scriptures and see what we have to say on Abinadi. Let's jump over really quickly to the end of Mosiah 12. And this is where we left off last time where we're using the Isaiah scripture and they're trying, there, there were a number of questions. It says that Abinadi withstood them in this, this trial, this mock trial. And so he is clearly well-versed in the scriptures as well as full of the spirit of the Lord. And they try to pin him down with this scripture of how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings. And so they're like, well, we've obviously won these battles. We've been very blessed with abundance, riches, uh, power, wealth. And, and so how can you be saying we, we clearly have signs of the Lord's favor. And yet you are clearly a, a false prophet because it says here that the prophets would bring good tidings and you have brought bad tidings. But not only that, we, we have these clear evidences. Now, do, do they know that they are unrighteous? Boy, it sure seems like Alma knows in a second, right? It sure seems like Alma knows. And I think there's a part of us that if we think of ourselves in the story, uh, when we tell narratives, we learn the doctrines, we learn the story. But I think one of the powers of narrative is that it tells us about us. We are these people in the story. So think of yourself sometimes, are you Noah in the story? Are you the priests or are you Abinadi? And the answer is probably yes, you're probably all of them. Uh, so just kind of think, um, which, which one am I in the story? So as they try to pin him down on this, um, we start with Mosiah 12, 24, and it's the very end of this Isaiah scripture. The Lord hath made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. And, and so this is that we're going to see this first part of this inclusio that he's going to use. Yes, the Lord is going to make bare his holy arm. So it's, a, it's an allusion to the Lord's power, to his authority and power. So he's stretching forth his arm, and it's his bare, uh, his bare arm. So you see this allusion to power, the Lord's power. And it's going to say everyone's going to know in, in, some, in this prophecy Everyone's going to know who the Lord is. And, and so he's going to try to show them that sometimes the Lord's arm is outstretched with power for judgment, not just uh, against the, the wicked. So he's going to use that. So Abinadi, they read that, and Abinadi says, Are you priests and pretend to teach this people and to understand the spirit of prophesying and yet to, to desire to know of me what these things mean? And, and I love it's like, well, aren't you the priests? Aren't you? That's your your calling is to teach the people uh, scripture. Now, remember, not everyone's probably going to have these scriptures. They're on the brass plates. They probably don't have the brass plates. They're probably in Zerahemla, right? But they will have some record. Clearly, Abinadi is very familiar with them. So whatever copies or things or memorization that they have, they're very familiar with the scriptures and they are using them and they are familiar with them. But one of the roles of the priests is to teach, right? To be teachers and priests is to teach the people and share with them what the scriptures say, but also the meaning and teach of the Lord. And he's, he's kind of throwing it back at them. Like, 
clearly you don't even know what this stuff means. Um, and so then he kind of curses them. Whoa, whoa, be unto you perverting the ways of the Lord. Right. And I love verse 27, a clue to us of how to understand the ways of the Lord. He, he asked them a rhetorical question. Uh, actually, statement first. You have not applied your hearts to understanding. You've not applied your hearts to understanding. It isn't just knowing it. It isn't just memorizing it. It isn't just being able to find it in the book. It's applying your heart. Your heart, your very inner self, the, the thing that makes you you, your love, your passion, your, your might, your heart. My, you, you haven't really applied your heart to understanding this. You're just throwing it out there. You're just debating it. Therefore, he says, you've not been wise. So what are you teaching this people? And they're like, well, we teach the law of Moses. And so he's like, all right, well, we'll see how well you know the law of Moses. If you teach it, why don't you keep it? Because you are focusing on riches, you commit whoredoms, you spend your strength on harlots, and you cause the people to, to commit sin. And then he's even talked to him, he's going to quote a couple of the Law of Moses, uh, the Ten Commandments, with um, idolatry. It says that they were idolatrous, so they're worshiping idols and other gods. And so <laughs> how, if you are teaching the Law of Moses, how come you don't keep it? So just like 27, it's more than just knowing it's understanding, it's believing, it's practicing, it's keeping it and applying it in your heart. I love that. You're going to see this loop that he's going to do. So he's going to do this. This arm is going to be outstretched still, this bare arm of the Lord in power and authority, in judgment or mercy, whichever we choose to take. And then it's going to come back to the law of Moses. And the law of Moses is going to come back to the, the point of the Savior and then it's going to come back to Moses and it's going to come back to the Lord's arm being bare. So he's going to make this whole loop of arms, arm being bare, judgment, power, law of Moses, the Savior, salvation, Moses, arm. Okay, so this is where we jump in. Now, I'm not going to um, get too deep into this, but he is going to ask him an important question. And, he's, and I think this is where it's applicable to us. And it might not be at first blush. So let's look at it. He's like, so you say you teach the law of Moses. So he does this little quiz in uh, verse 31. He's like, hey, do you know um, the law of Moses? Okay, well, does salvation come by the law of Moses? And they're like, yeah, mm-hmm. the law of Moses is what brings salvation. And you're probably like, Lori, this is, you're in the weeds on this one. We don't keep the law of Moses anymore. I don't know what this has to do with us. I, I kind of don't get it, right? And I'm with you on that one. But I think there's an application. The law of Moses is a bunch of rules, right? It's a bunch of do's and don'ts, commandments. And we don't throw out all the commandments, right? So the Savior came to fulfill all of them. And except in, the, um, in Matthew 5 through 7, we learn that except we are more righteous than the Pharisees in keeping those laws, we won't um, be worthy of the kingdom of heaven. So it's not that you can throw out these obedience things, but... He's saying, does it bring salvation? Is it salvation to itself? Is the law of Moses the way that the Lord has created for us to, to overcome sin and death? That's salvation, overcoming sin and death, or separation from God. If that's salvation, can we do it by law Moses? And they're like, yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's the law of Moses. How is this applicable to us, though? I think we do this a little bit, too. Sometimes we think, if only I could keep all the commandments perfectly, and one day I'll be able to do them perfectly. 
And you kind of a list of things that you check. I read my scriptures today. Check. I said my prayers today. Check. I didn't uh, drink too many energy drinks. Check. I did my ministering. Check. Right? La Moses, I'm, I'm in. I did all the things. And yet, have we changed our hearts? Do we have faith? Are we caring for others? Oh, that's the one that's hard for me. Those are hard things. Changing me inside is way harder than checking a list. So I think he's saying that isn't what saves, and it isn't what saves us either. And then he goes on. He keeps going. He's going to have quite a bit to say about what does say. Um, so again, they, they take him away. They're going to take him away, and they can see the power. And they have these references again and again to Moses. Remember, this is deliverance, salvation. Moses, we see Abinadi being like Moses. And so it says the spirit was on him. His face shines. And then he's, he, he jumps in. I'm going to jump over to Mosiah 13. And he says, he spake with power and authority from God. And you could see it in his face, right? Just like Moses on Mount Sinai. I perceive that it cuts you to your hearts because I tell you the truth concerning your iniquities. Here's the question. These guys knew. These guys knew that they were being evil, that they were committing whoredoms and taking money from others and using their power, not teaching the scriptures. They knew. And as sad as this is, sometimes the story is about us. Sometimes we're the priests. Sometimes we don't make right choices. Now, I'm not saying that you're doing these terrible, terrible things, and nor am I, but I think we need to reflect and say, am I just going through the motions? Am I using my position of authority, maybe as a parent, as a teacher, as a, uh, a boss at work, as a priest, as something, to maybe not really teach the way I should? Have I really committed my heart to understanding these things? Have I left my iniquitous behaviors behind? Ooh, ouch, gosh, Abinadi. I, I like being the good guy in the story, but sometimes I'm the bad guy. So you're like, yep. So he says, okay. Then he goes on to explain more about the Lord. Uh, and the, so he's going to go back through some of the law of Moses. So you've got this allusion to Moses. I don't have time to go into how many they're like, but he is like Moses. He brings down the law. So he brings down the graven images and not to bow themselves down. Clearly, they are doing that. And then he says, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. An interesting scripture right in the middle, Mosiah 13, 14, that the, uh, the Lord tells the people not to worship other gods. And then he says, but he shows mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. We love him. We want to love him and keep his commandments. This isn't just we keep the commandments because we love him. If we are having a hard time keeping the commandments, which we all do, go back to the love. Go back to what with this mercy and love, and it will help uh, keep us in the narrow path. Then he goes on some more. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. Um, Sabbath day, keeping the Sabbath day holy. Uh, the, the Lord's name in vain is one of those speaking in the Lord's name, saying something that he wouldn't say. It's not necessarily swearing. That's kind of how we take it. But keeping the Lord, saying, well, God commanded you to do whatever, and then that's just made up. That would be taking the Lord's name in vain, and that's probably what the priests are doing, right? Then he goes on for some more of the Ten Commandments. And so he goes, well, have you taught these things that you should observe them? And he's like, no, because if you did that, yeah, I wouldn't have to be here. I wouldn't have to be here. And he says, right now it's important that you keep the law, Moses. 
But salvation doesn't come by law alone. And were it not for the atonement, which God himself shall make for the sins and iniquities of his people, that they must unavoidably perish, notwithstanding the law of Moses. So it's never going to be a bunch of checklists. He's like, you guys, it isn't just about that. It's about the Savior. It's about his atonement. It's that he needs to be a sacrifice. He says, therefore, there was a lot. The people were stiff-necked, quick to do iniquity, slow to remember the Lord their God. Now, lest we think those dumb Israelites, they were so dumb, remember, who's sometimes the story about? It's us. It's us. And I think I'm like, yeah, that's probably me too. But they said the law was given so that they had these performances of ordinances, right? A law they were strictly to observe from day to day to keep them in remembrance of God and their duty towards him. So if you can remember and you can focus on the Lord without a bunch of lists, then you don't need a bunch of list things, right? They had to do these things because they did not remember. They did not keep him in their heart. They did not focus on the right things. It says they were types of things to come. And then he goes on. For behold, did not Moses prophesy unto them concerning the coming of the Messiah and that God should redeem his people? There's that salvation word. How to become redeemed, how to be paid for, how to be saved. Yea, and even all the prophets who have prophesied ever since the world began, have they not spoken more or less concerning these things? Now, sometimes it's hard. We look back in the Old Testament and we say, were they all testifying of Christ? And here, Abinadi is saying they do. He, they did. All the prophets testified of a Messiah who should redeem his people. Have not they said that God himself should come down among the children of men and take upon him the form of man and go forth in mighty power upon the face of the earth? Yea, and have they not said also that he should bring to pass the resurrection of the dead and he himself should be oppressed and afflicted? This is so powerful. I think it's easy for me and maybe for you to forget how powerful it is that God came down and became man as Christ, right? That he became part of our family. And it says it right here in verse 34. Speaking, the prophets have testified that God himself should come down among the children of men and take upon him the form of man. And he should bring forth the resurrection of the dead and he shall be oppressed and afflicted. The story of Christ, the suffering Christ, the one who understands our world, God came down and paid the price for sin and death, right? So he's going to pay the price, but he's also going to be resurrected. And how is he going to do it? By becoming like us and being oppressed. A beautiful story. Then he goes back to Isaiah, Isaiah 53. Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Oh, there's that arm again. And then it goes through and talks about the suffering servant. He'll be despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet did we esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquities 
of us all. So he's reminding them, isn't just the law of Moses. There's more. This is about the Savior and his atonement, how much he loves us and how much he wants to bring us back. And we have turned from him. I love that the focus of turning these priests and us isn't just a battle of words and wills. This isn't a Bible bash. This is telling and testifying of the Savior and God's great love. Yes, his arm is outstretched still, but I almost feel like it's with his hand and take his hand. Who's listening in this, this group of evil priests? Who's listening? Alma. Alma's listening. And who is Alma going to become? You, well, you know the answer. He, all that we know is that Abinadi converts one man, but he becomes the progenitor, and his posterity and family keeps the sacred records, and they serve the Nephites as their leaders, as their priesthood leaders, and, and also sometimes their political leaders, for the entire rest of the history for well over 400 years. So you get Alma, and Alma, and Helaman, and Shiblon, and he, another Helaman, and Nephi, Nephi, Amos, Amos, Amaron. So what did Abinadi do to change their hearts? He taught them of the Savior, and the Savior showed his love, his mercy, his hand is outstretched still. He became one of us and took upon us his sins and, his, and our iniquities, but also our wounds and our sadness and our anxieties and our just the tough parts of life. Oh, a beautiful story. Well, did you get the, uh, we're not going to have time to go through everything, but Read back through it. See if you see the salvation, the seed. We didn't get a chance to go through that. And the arm being outstretched. And we see how much the Lord loves us. What is salvation? Who is it for? And what do we do to have to gain it? All right, Scriptorians. Next time, we'll jump into Alma. <laughs>